seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 172 of Color of Magic, or Magic and Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of things that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I'm your host, Daquan Watson, and for 172 episodes, I still got my main man who, unfortunately, we're feeling the same way about our football teams today, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? Is it the same way? Because did you have any expectations the team would be good? I know I didn't. Uh, I, I guess that's fair, right? Like, I, I think the only difference is I knew we were going to be done probably in the first round of the playoffs. You knew you probably wouldn't get there. Yeah. But, even even after the NFC South got so bad to where you could win with six or seven games and still get in, like, no. Nah, that's true. Good. Y'all almost accidentally stumbled your way in at one point. That, that division was not good. This is embarrassing. Hell, I think the... The Buccaneers got in in the last week because they ended up being eight and nine or something. Yeah, like, and they still had to win. The, I think they had to win the last week to get in. They, like, that's I how close it was. Because it, it keeps happening. They may need to institute a rule where, hey, if nobody's at least five hundred, you just don't get a, a champion. I'm I'm okay with that, right? If you're you have to at least be better than five hundred and win your division. Otherwise, the next best team gets it. Because it is kind of rough to be some of these teams that like barely missed out, right? And you see somebody else with losing record that that's got to mess you up a little bit. Well, I think Seattle that year, uh, I want to say it might have been the year of the Beast Quake. They barely got in, and then they ended up getting to the Super Bowl. So I don't know. That's true. But imagine being somebody like the Commanders or whatever. That's like, you know, well they are literally five hundred eight eight and one, you know, and they didn't get in, and it's like. Yeah, that's got to feel kind of bad. <laughs> As but, you watch the Buccaneers just back in and, and forget how to play you, they didn't go. They did exactly what you would expect a, a nine and eighteen to do. They stuck up the joint. Oh, for sure, for and sure. Tom, poor Tom Brady ruined his ruined his entire family and got divorced to to go like. You know what though? I, this is mean to say, but I think he might have went back to football so he didn't have to be at home with all the divorce stuff happening. Yeah, it's possible that he got home and just like, I, I hate it here. <laughs> I, I honestly think that's what happened. Like, because there was always like this weird tension, but then it seemed like it heightened up real quick. And then all of a sudden he went from like, you know what? I might go do commentary. I got this radio show with Jim Gray, whatever. And then like, nah, whatever. I'm going to go back to play football. Like, out of the blue, just showed up. <laughs> like, you know, like the pandemic we saw so many people end up getting divorced after the pandemic because after having to actually spend time with each other realized they couldn't stand to do it dude that's real i know people who are trying to get like par- partners and marriage canceling counseling and whatever and they and were also all <laughs> possibly canceling could have been well that's true slip. but they were all booked like yeah. everybody was having a book like months out because when you because, think about, okay, you spend eight hours a day at work or, you know, at school, if you are in school, you sleep for hopefully seven or eight hours a day, somewhere around there. That really only leaves a few hours where you got to sit there and break bread and actually act like you like this person. But you know what? Like, I tell people, like, from when you're dating, it's easy to, like, put on your best suit. Yep. 
you know, woman gets her hair done or makeup done, whatever, you know, guy can look sharp, get his car even cleaned out. So right. it's all good to go. Right. You, you can put on a presentation for a couple of hours. That, that, that first date is so much like a job interview. It's not oh, who sure. you are. <laughs> yeah. But I said, but even when you get married, then it's kind of like, okay, well, we see each other all the time, but you go to work and you get space from each other. Right. Like you're spending time out after work, working on a project, maybe picking the kids up, taking them to soccer, whatever it is. But then when you don't have all that and it's like just each other, it's like, man, how much do you like each other? Because you know why. Into account, like you said, having kids, having to go do after school stuff, that really takes it down to where you might only spend two or three hours a day with each other. And yeah, as you say, anybody could do that for the most part. Oh, dude. I, I literally, like, I think it was the middle of the first month once we realized it was, now admit it, I didn't think it was going to be like two years worth of pandemic at home or whatever, but I was thinking, all right, even if this goes six months or whatever, I remember going, man, I'm glad we like each other. Right. Because, like, we're going to be watching a lot of Netflix movies. We're going to be doing a lot of gardening projects. <laughs> like, you know, like, just keeping it real. Like, we're going to be around each other a long time. I'm glad we could tolerate each other. Because, man, I saw so many people that had problems. Like, I, I feel for folks because, like, some truths came out yeah. that you might have thought were truths but got proved that they were and you were not happy with the results. So that might have been Giselle and Tom or where they had to actually spend time together to realize maybe we don't like each other as much as we thought. Yep. I, I think there was something to that. But, you know, that brings up some other things we're going to talk about because this is a very much a show this week about character. I think we have a lot of different things that are, are going to kind of fall in line with that subject. And it's interesting because, you know, we try to put shows together around different news bits and different things that come up during the week. But uh, in this case, it's almost like they all just fell in line for us. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But before we get into that, as always, we've got to pay some bills. So you need to go say hello to our friends over at CardsFair.com. Great group of folks. They do a great job supporting up and coming creators. They have a very unique and different site where you can literally name your price to buy cards good group of dudes and it's only three of them i believe operating the whole thing and they do everything they can to stay on top of it and keep their community happy they have an active discord where they answer questions they respond to all the admin issues totally legit you should go check them out they're big supporters of ours you should go support them over at cardsphere.com and if you want to support the show directly you can go over to patreon.com slash color magic and you can be just like harrison jones who's our latest patreon supporter thank you so much all the way from the great country of canada and you can go to colorofmtg.com shop and get some tokens and play mats rep the show have our likenesses on your tokens if you want to just see our goofy faces and love us and you know what you might want to get some gear before you start prepping to go to these next round of qualifiers and and even convention season because that seems to kick off earlier and earlier every year i think it's going to be like april starting this year so go get some stuff and help us out but that does bring us to the soapbox, and we have some things to talk about. Now, there, there's... Okay, this needs some some backstory for those of you that aren't into sports ball, as it is. But there's a, a Hall of Fame football player that goes by the name of Shannon Sharp. I say goes by the name. That's his actual name. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Not like he's like an actor or something. Like, his actual name is Shannon Sharp. But... He's on a show called Undisputed with another guy named Skip Bayless, who Skip's very much the uh, antagonist of the show. Yeah, I guess they definitely the villain. 
yeah, he 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 does a lot of I don't I don't say like clickbaiting, but he knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. He he takes the side of the argument that he knows is going to drum up some discussion and get people to post comments and whatever. Just to the point of being ridiculous stuff, like LeBron yeah. James isn't that good. Just ridiculous troll stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I will say this for Shannon Sharp, he is usually going to be on the right side of the argument, right? Whatever you gen- as a viewer, he's probably you're going to agree with him probably the large majority of the time. Dude, for all intents and purposes, is a stand-up character, right? He, he's a good family guy. Every party who's interacted with him says positive things. He has genuine reactions with people on his podcast show. Teammates he's played with love him. Like, so, you know, I say this to establish that this dude has a pretty positive history with damn near every human he's interacted with, as far as I can tell. But he was at a Lakers game four or five days ago. And for lack of a better term, he had a bit of a confrontation. You know, some players came by. Probably, it looks like there was some jawjacking, maybe. I don't know if it was playful or what that escalated. But, you know, he's he's who he is. He's a celebrity. He's a Hall of Fame football player. He's, got, he's on a TV show, so he has courtside seats. And that happens sometimes. There's a lot of stories with, especially in like New York and L.A. or whatever, where somebody's coming by saying something to an ex-Laker on the sideline or to or to Spike Lee at a at a uh, Knicks game, you know that's that happens. Jack Nicholson's had a few things said to him, but for whatever reason, this got heated, right? So he's saying some stuff to a couple of their players. Players come over and get into his face a little bit. Some people get between them to break it up, and. I think most of the time people aren't going to care that much, but I think it's because of who he is and he's on camera. It was going to be a story. So the next day he comes on undisputed their TV show and he opens up with an apology and it's a long, it's like a three minute apology. And honestly, for my money, probably the most contrite, the most contrition anybody's not anybody ever, but one of the more contrite apologies I've seen. And it's very specific apologies. Because he literally ran down the list of everybody he thought would have been affected. From the Lakers ownership to LeBron James, because he, you knew he was going to be asked questions in the postgame and have to defend him. He apologized to co-workers because he knew that was going to be a story. They had to respond to emails in the morning or whatever and all the backlash that's going to come with it. He apologized to the players that he interacted with, even complimented their game and getting to see them firsthand and how good they are and he gets it. Like, was genuine with each person. And it wasn't like, and I apologize to this person, this person. It was literally, I apologize to this person for this reason. I apologize to this person because I knew it's going to create this problem, right? All the way down to his new grandson. Even saying, like, because at one day you're going to see this, and this is going to come up, and you're probably going to be wondering why this happened. You know, whatever. Even, even wrapping up was saying... And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that wasn't me, because it was, but it was definitely me me getting out of character. And I'm like, you know what? I can accept all that, right? Like, that's how you should want somebody to apologize. And honestly, I'm not even totally sure it needed an apology, because it's athletes being athletes and people jawjacking, and it's a game and whatever. Nobody involved seemed terribly upset about it after the fact. But I understand the optics of how it looks. But then immediately, people went to the comments and were trying to rip it apart. I'd be like, why didn't you apologize to this person? Why does this person matter? Or blah, 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 blah. And it just made me feel like, man, 
F humans. Like, I, like, I'm not irrational. I understand why apologies matter. But it's also why I've said on the show before, like, this is what makes you feel like apologies are just not worth the effort sometimes. Like, this dude was about as specific as you could be with his apologies. And not even minutes later, people are already picking it apart, asking for other things, saying he should have done other stuff. Like, should have done it this way, should have said this thing. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want from people, man? Like, I'm not even sure it needed an apology, but it's more because he knows the optics of it and how people are going to talk about it and whatever, and it's going to cause problems for people that he felt the need to apologize to everybody involved. But in reality, his job wasn't going to be at risk because of that. Hell, a bunch of people who know him probably weren't even going to judge him for that. But he was apologizing because he knows it made everybody else's life and job involved more problematic. But I, I don't even know what you do there. I literally look at that and go like, I, I don't even know what you do. I, I, don't, I think there's just generally going to be people that no matter what you do, you're not going to please them. But that's tough. I, I think it's an apology, though, worth watching. If you want to go look it up, his name is Shannon Sharp. The show is Undisputed. There's clips all over YouTube. A truly legit, heartfelt apology that I think people should, if nothing else, just go watch it so you have an example of what a good apology looks like. But all right, I'm done. I'm not going to give it any more time. It's on you. And here's a situation where we should get an apology from somebody, but probably are not going to. This took place at a, actually a high school basketball game here in Texas between Dollhart. <laughs> a Texas school? You ain't getting an apology. <laughs> right. But continue. Dollhart and River Road uh, were were playing basketball, having a good old time, and then stuff got racist real fast. There's there's a there's video of this too if you if you want to see this. There's a student stand at the free throw line, get ready to shoot, mind his own business, and somebody starts doing monkey noises while the kids trying to play basketball. Man. Just, there were also apparently uh, some N-word chants and then some other, other insults, including ghetto, trashy, just extremely, just, if, if you're doing that kind of stuff in public, that says more about you than it says about whatever you think about that school, whatever you think about the kids. These are high school kids playing basketball, and this is ruined for them. It's supposed to be a good, fun time. Everybody, you know, hopefully you make some friends. You learn some life lessons, especially in Texas. You know, people get together, go to Dairy Queen after that, have a good time in theory. And these are, you have ruined these kids' memories, especially the, the, the kids that was at the free throw, or free throw line, shooting, minding his own business, trying to help his team win. And he has to deal with, with, with monkey calls. You have changed basketball for him forever, which for all I know, you're probably a terrible person who ever did that. You that That's probably what you meant to do. Even if you just thought you were being funny, no. What you have done is that, that kid's never going to forget that. People who hurt somebody somewhere, that was probably their first racist incident. Because you got to remember every, Racism is everywhere, but for everybody, especially young people, there's that first time you encounter racism and you always remember it. 
friend of mine told me his where he was, you know, drinking from a water hose, as as you know, we, we, we do in the country. And he heard somebody say, why is that N-word drinking out of my water hose? He turned as his dad, daddy, you know, because he never even heard the word before. Daddy, what's a, you know, what's an N-word? Yeah. That, that happened to him 40 years ago, and he still remembers it because that was the first time somebody j- j- just came in him like that. So, yeah, somebody in that high school gym that night, that was probably their first moment learning what the N-word was. or Like, why are they making monkey noises, daddy or mama? It's just... you, you know what the bad part of that really is, is that if those kids are willing to do that in public, in school, I was hoping it friends. was a kid, but I can't promise you it was a child. Well, that's true. It's not know. always kids. Sometimes it even starts with kids and adults join in. But this tells you that they think that's okay, even at home, probably in a private environment. And they also know that their friends are going to think it's okay. That's the concerning part. Because as of right, they're obviously investigating, but unless somebody, you know, basically points out their friend, this investigation isn't going to go anywhere. Especially if multiple people are doing it. It sounds like multiple people were, were doing racist chants. Or even if they know, but a certain person's parents are kind of important. Right. Or they're a donor to the school or they're blah, blah, blah. Nothing's going to happen. We've seen it before. Right. But... There's, it's sad that there were you know multiple incidents of racist chants at a high school sporting event in the same week. But uh, I happened to, while I was trying to find this story again for the podcast, came across another story. Something similar happened at a, at a basketball game in Vermont. And uh, that high school, uh, trying to, yeah, Franklin, uh, Franklin Northwest, I believe is the school district anyway. And the high school this happened at basically said they're not letting fans into the games for the rest of the year. Good. You lost your privileges. This is why we can't have nice things because y'all can't act right. Yeah, I ain't even mad at them for it, honestly. Because as they mentioned, you know, that they tried to, you know, reach out to the school where this happened and they felt like they they weren't, you know, getting any school they said, oops, you know, what are you gonna do? They didn't feel like it was being taken seriously. So what's the particular school's gonna do? Hey, just just no fans for a while. Yeah, I just don't I don't understand. So maybe the next person that if if they go for a year and this is not, not your mama, not your grandma, this is what because it, it this apparently wasn't the first time something like this happened. So rather than have this continue to escalate, because that happens a lot of times, it's like this is what it turns into not a sports rivalry, but actual people will start fist fighting in the parking lot or in some cases shoot each other at the parking lot. Oh, yeah, that's how violence happens. Yeah. So rather than let it escalate to that point, we're just going to skip. And, yeah, same thing. These kids, you know, they want their their mom, their grandma, their, you know, former, their little league coach that helped them realize they were good at basketball. They want all those people to see that. So, yeah, congratulations again, whatever idiot did that. You have ruined Somebody seen your high school basketball season, you've ruined it. That's the last time they're going to play basketball in their life, you know, competitively, and this is what they'll remember. Good Can job, I tell people, whoever was out there chanting stupid stuff. I also want to say, like, this is an example of, like, I don't, like, nobody likes any racism, don't get me wrong, but, like, when somebody is acting out on their own and being racist, that's one of those things you go, okay, that person's just a dumb person, whatever, and you can blow it off. 
whatever. But when you see it like that, where somebody is so emboldened in an environment with their cohorts and they don't even care, they know there's not going to be backlash for doing it. That's when it's concerning because that says they knew that all those people around them were not going to judge them for that. Cause I wish I would have said something like that in front of my church members, <laughs> in front of my mama. I would have known that just I would have been prepared for not only the shaming, but but the beating. You know, shoot, I might not have gone home immediately. Right? I ain't even playing. I might have just stayed at a friend's house if I do something that yeah. dumb. For real. But whoever did this knew there would be, or they thought, because Vermont school did something. They thought there there would be no pushback, no yeah. punishment. That's what would led them to to be free to act stupid. Crazy. Well, hopefully those kids can get some type of redemption, and we can figure out what the problems are because that sucks for them. But all right, dude, it's that time of the week. And we obviously learned some things this week, so let's share that with the people and let them know what it is we found interesting out and about in the world. All right. This is actually, uh, the, to use some more sports terms, I'm calling it audible. This is not the thing I originally had here, but uh, I'm sure uh, many of you saw Oscar nominations are, uh, came out to this week. And I do want to say, you know, especially after the whole Oscar So White campaign that we had a couple of years ago, and it was deserved. <laughs> the, the Oscars were incredibly white. They are taking steps to change that. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Starring the fabulous Michelle Yeoh, got several nominations in multiple categories. Uh, see, uh, Angela Bassett, of course, our queen. Well, she's been great forever. Yeah, Angela Bassett <laughs> has. You know, this is this this made good. Angela Bassett should have got an Oscar for being Tina Turner, and I'll fight people over that. I mean, for real, she's she's encroaching on goat status, right? And she's not, you talk about black don't crack. Angela is, is aging mm-hmm. backwards at this point. For real. <laughs> she is getting younger every time I, I see her in the project. If she wants to put, she, she should have some kind of line of like hair care, skin care, all of those things. I would buy it tomorrow. But yeah, I, I think everybody that sees movies, especially those of us, you know, that occasionally get paid to watch movies have, you know, have one or two, because, you know, it, it's subjective. It's hard to say who you're basically picking who pretended to be somebody else the best. It's incredibly subjective. But I, mine, Daniel Deadweiler for Till, I felt like should have got a Best Actress nomination. If you had, and I get that Till is an uncomfortable movie to watch, even for your people that know the story. You know what's going to happen. It's just, you know, that they don't really, they don't shy away from what is, again, a horrible, horrible violence. For anybody that doesn't know, that was a young boy that allegedly whistled at a white woman and then a bunch of white guys grabbed him and quite beat him to death. I think my problem with Till, though, is I I knew as soon as it came out somebody was going to get nominated because it's another Black Pain movie, and I think that's what bothered me. And and it still got the thing attached for me that we now know that the woman has come out and admitted she lied, and there were zero consequences. Like you lied a a 
I was going to say a, a man, but it was a child. A child, a child died. Got killed. And we're still like, nah, it's all right. You I found out later there was apparently a warrant put out for her arrest, but the police just said, yeah. basically, I guess you might as well say, just didn't feel like it. And that didn't come up for like 40 years because it's right. sitting in a damn basement of a building they ended, or an old courthouse, I think, that they were renovating. And they find it and they're like, oh, so the cops knew even back then, but just decided they weren't going to do anything about it. Because you always know it's it's illegal to to beat people to death because they may have whistled at someone. They all, they knew. They just felt like, well, that's what he gets. And yeah, that's just the and way they knew stuff she lied. Be. Yeah, that's the thing. And then you find out later she admits to it, even before we knew about the warrant, and they, we still didn't do nothing about it. They knew she lied, but in Mississippi. In in that era, they're like, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. That 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 for that era, that was yeah. considered to be acceptable punishment for being black and daring to talk to a white woman. But even modern era, it was barely a story when she admitted it. Right. I was like, damn, really? Like, and don't be wrong, you, she probably carried around the guilt for a long time. Like, I'm not I'm not saying it it overcomes somebody dying. But you, I don't know how I couldn't. I, if if I was responsible for somebody dying and and I lied about it, I man, I can only imagine the amount of sleepless nights I would have had because that has to be constant, especially if it's a kid. That's tough. That's tough. But again, I did great performance. I was I, I walked out of there thinking, you know, I was waiting to hear her Oscar speech. And then just as I kept seeing what they thought would get nominated, it kind of, you know, there was there was less and less buzz. So I, I guess at this point I expected her to not get the movie didn't get nominated for anything either. That that also shocked me. And as you said, maybe it's just maybe the Academy is trying to steer itself away from, you know, black pain and black trauma. You know, well, yeah, because you know, Django, you know, like yeah. <laughs> Black Panther has that, but that's unavoidable. Chadwick Boseman actually died. There was no way, you know, to, to yeah. avoid uh, avoid having that. Well, I mean, I guess there there was the argument they could have recast, but Marvel was not ready to do that, and especially since they already had a comic book story where somebody else becomes the Black Panther, so they just went ahead and. And did that. Yeah, I that's that's a it's tough still one. Still kind of do. I think it hits Disney next month, so I won't spoil it for you. You know, it, the trailers, Disney's trailers, pretty much spoiled it for you. Dude, I, I'll tell you what. What really upset me about that on the, on the nerd front is just everything I'd heard from every person who'd worked like the con, the con circuit and was on set and all this other stuff said the most beautiful things about Bozeman, like. And then you start seeing all this stuff where he's doing these things with kids and he's doing stuff with Disney. And then you find out the entire time he was fighting terminal cancer. Like to the point that if the stories are true, only one or two people on the set even knew. And he would literally like go to a treatment and then show up and like they would just move his like filming segments or whatever. And he would just come to work bright face on or whatever just to make sure everybody else's project got done. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. And like, you see that and it's like, it's hard not to be moved by that as all that starts coming out. So I I don't blame Disney for not wanting to recast him, honestly. 
But there's something else I saw. And I knew how easy it was to manipulate information and people and whatever, right? That's basically what advertising is in every way, right? But this chart that came out, which, by the way, it's not just a random chart. This chart came out from uh, the Federal Reserve of St. Louis, I believe. And it is the most ridiculously, biasly created chart I may have seen in a long time. I can't even remember the last time I saw one like this. But for whatever reason, they're putting out a chart for uh, defense budget spending. And it's broken down by six countries. Basically, the U.S. and, like, five other large spending countries, right? And it shows China, Russia, the U.K., India, Saudi Arabia, and the U.S. And I guess the logic is to try to justify why we need to have a higher spending budget on defense, I think, is, is what they're going for here. But the thing is, the bottom axis is just the the years, right? 92 to 2021 or 2022. The left axis is in billions of dollars. And it's in 50 increments. So it goes from 50 billion, 100 billion, 150, 200, all the way up, right? To 300 at the top. The right axis... One, doesn't even start at zero. That's the first thing. It starts at 400. So we all know we spend a ridiculous amount on our defense budget to begin with, right? But it starts at 400 billion, which by the way, think about this. The number that it starts with on the right axis is higher than where the left axis tops out. So that already tells you how screwed up this chart is about to be. And then the increments aren't also in 50, they're in hundreds. So it goes 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000. So nothing about the scale is even remotely similar. And then even in their own legend, it tells you China, left axis, Russia, left axis. Basically, everybody's using the left axis, but for some reason, the U.S. is using the right axis. So it's like, oh, see, our spending's not that bad compared to China because China's way up here. And if you're looking at it and somebody who's untrained to read charts is going to go, oh, well, yeah, China's spending almost a, a trillion dollars. And of course, we need to spend more money or whatever. And we're we're not spending that much. We're only spending like 800 million or 800 billion. When in reality, that's not what's happening at all. Like we spent almost 800 billion. Even China, who's the largest spender beyond us. And I think next is like Russia or something like they didn't even spend 300 billion. And everybody else is way down below it, like, you know, under 100. A bunch of them are barely over 50. So this is the type of stuff where I, so I decided to follow up on some things online. And you see people literally having that argument of, well, see, we, if China's outspending us, they're going to be able to do X, Y, Z. We have to spend more too. This is why we got to give the government more money and the military and blah. And it's like, did you not even bother to look at the chart at all? Like, nothing about it is even remotely trying to be truthful. Like, and it's weird that this came out from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. It's not like some pundit on TV or somebody, social media is trying to make a point or win some people. Like, this came from an actual government organization. Like, how is that even possible? Like, bruh. But my takeaway was, it's even easier to manipulate people than I thought it was. Like, I knew it was easy. It's way easier than that. 
<laughs> like, because this this chart did not even try at all to even make it look remotely truthful. If you look at anything on this for more than like 30 seconds, you can be like, who built this? And then when I saw where it came from, I was stunned. So I say this to just say, hey, whatever you're looking at data on, always keep your eyes out. Try to understand what the source was, where they got their material from and their numbers from, and just look at how it's presented. Because you could be looking at something and it not be what you want. Because as our last president showed us, not everybody knows how to read a chart. <laughs> but all right, let's get into the news of the week because it's about that time. All right, so I'm going to ask a silly question, Brian, because I think everybody on the planet has that's a nerd or a comic book person or mobile gamer, but have you been playing any Marvel Snap? Oh, yeah. Okay, I assumed that was going to be the answer. Anything, <laughs> I, I, you know, and you know me, anything, comic, anything where I get to be a superhero, yeah, I'm pretty much in. Yeah, I want to say this about Marvel Snap, because I'm going to go in on it here a little bit. But the game actually isn't bad. There's some stuff I'm going to talk about that it's going to make it sound probably worse than it is. But I voted the, for it for game of the year. I was and, and it, it I, I, I didn't have it. enough backup, but I definitely it was my pick for game of the year. It it honestly deserves some nominations. I think that's fair, especially in the mobile space. It, I think by far it was the best mobile game oh, I saw yeah, promoted in the last year. And you know, being able to like, there are a lot of things they do right with that game too, especially like how the cards react based on the characters. Like when you move vision, the big laser comes out or you move like an Ant-Man, the card like shrinks and pops back up to size. And like everything's very specific to the individual characters, which is pretty cool, right? Just little, little touches that if you even just watch some of the movies, it all makes sense to you. And that's really cool. Like Wolverine, you know, when he when he dies, he regenerates at some other location. Cause yeah, it's and it makes a little, like, slashes on the screen, yep. you know. So, like, that's all fun. And I think These that's are what... some of the people that brought you Hearthstone. So, yeah, you would... True, true. Yeah, it has the same lead designer, I think, actually. Yep. And, and I think all that speaks to how good the game is. But the reason I did a deep dive this week is I saw people starting to complain, and they were really big on the game. And it made me wonder, like, okay, was it just a honeymoon period where it's like, hey, here's this new fun thing for a property I enjoy. This game's awesome. But then, like, reality set in or did something functionally change, right? So as I started diving in, there were people that were like, oh, this, this, whatever, their monetary system so predatory and whatever. And, like, I, I'm getting, I'll be honest, I'm starting to feel like when people use the word predatory for gaming and stuff, it's becoming like the chicken little thing. like. It was mostly, from what I could tell, they had one thing, which by I do think is overpriced, but it was like one thing that's in their store that gives you a bunch of stuff, but it's like $99. And people are like, ah, this is the worst. I don't know why you have this in here. Ah, you're trying to get your people for all their money. And it's like, people aren't going to be happy unless everything's like 99 cents. You know? Yeah, I mean, for people that, that want to pay the money, they get... They get Shock of shocks, like all card games, this one exists to make the people that created it money. And I'm going to say this, this game, I can tell you, is not even like it's pay to play. No. Because if I could just buy some of the cards to finish off some of that, I would. Mm -hmm. Right? If you'd let me spend $50 to buy a pack of, I don't know, five wild cards, I probably would have done it by now, to be yeah. honest. Like, I mean, when you have, you know, that one deck you're trying to build, it needs... 
this card for everything to pop off. Yeah, most of what you're getting is stuff for like leveling a little bit, getting some cosmetic stuff, you know, whatever. So I I don't think that's even a real argument. But we've seen that even on the app store. Hell, I've had people where they ask me what app I'm using because they like what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can just get it. It's like $2.99 in the app store. I'm like, oh, I'm not paying for an app from the app store. It's like, well, do you want to do all the things I'm doing or not? Go give somebody their $3, dog. Right? Like, so there, there's some people. Yeah, Marvel I, license ain't free, people. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just a lot of people that anything that's not the bare minimum they believe it should cost, it's magically predatory. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things in games that definitely are predatory that are designed to to pull on certain heartstrings and mental stuff and whatever. And like that, I think there there are some legit arguments to be had. But when you just look at something being in a shop that's not even necessary in any way to play the game, and you're like, ah, I can't believe that. You're just trying to blah, blah, blah. It's like, eh, come on. So that I wasn't too worried about. But I do think it would be cool if they did have options that you could just pay and buy some things and make people's life easier. Because one of the problems I think they ran into is as the games expanded, uh, for those you don't know, they have pools of cards. Basically, when you start out, you're playing in pool one. There are certain cards that are available through the first however many levels or whatever. And then there's pool two, and then there's pool three. The problem is, though, pool three is gigantic. It's got tons of stuff. So the way the game's built, and I went through the phase of this, where you can actually be in pool three, and you get paired up, as far as I can tell, with people of similar pool level as you but not necessarily the same cards or even the same number of cards from that pool. So I was constantly getting paired up with people that had like Wong, Lockjaw, Arnim Zola, you know, just tons of like powerful characters in the game that I had no access to. So I just took some butt whoopings that I couldn't even avoid, you know? So the only way around that is you end up playing these cards that are all defensive i guess to just stop all your opponents from doing all the bad things to you but then the problem is you're not really playing a fun thematic deck you're just playing to not lose you know and that's not fun for people so if you dodge that and you get into the habit of like you see certain cards you go ahead and concede early or whatever move on to the next game you can play some pretty reasonable games and the games are fast that's the other thing so even if it is a game where you get your butt kicked it takes like two minutes and I'm not even exaggerating. Like a two to three minute game isn't unheard of in Marvel Snap. Three three minutes for sure. If you go beyond three, somebody's playing slow. <laughs> so it's not a big deal if you take a loss, you bounce out, you get into the next thing. But one of the real problems I ran into, and I don't know, you can tell me if you agree with this or not, Brian, but I felt like from a design standpoint, the locations were kind of lazy because there's so many that just restrict you from playing something there or something bad happens to you for playing something there. And I don't know about you, but I run into a lot of games that are basically non-games. Yeah, all it takes is, you know, two locations where, you know, you can't play something or it's painful or restrictive. Like there's one where every card that plays here gets destroyed. So, okay, nobody's going there unless they happen to be running Wolverine or the deck that wants to destroy its own cards. Most people ain't going to go there. Then let's say some other restrictive location. I think there's one called the Space Throne where only one character can get played there. If two of the three locations are bad, you're almost not playing the game anymore. And and this is not counting when you play something like Professor X that like, okay, well now nobody else can play here, right? So it's like you have all these, or a Spider-Man doesn't let you play there the next turn because he puts a web over it or whatever, 
right? So now you have turns where you're literally like, well, I can play one thing in this one slot, but I might as well just wait so I can play something next turn or whatever. Hell, the one this week, because one of the things they do, for those of you who haven't played the game yet, there's three locations every game, and they all have different effects that affect the game. And then once a week, they have a, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a highlighted location that shows up like 20% of the games you play in or something. So it just appears more frequently than the other ones. Well, the one this week was, I don't remember the name of it, but it was puts the four. Bridge. No, that was last week. Oh, that, okay. The one this week is, it puts four rocks on either side. With rocks are basically like, oh one nothings effectively it fills up both sides so you can't you can only have four slot four characters on that location so it fills up all four for both people but you can skip your turn to remove those rocks and if that comes up like if it comes up on the first one skipping your first turn isn't that big a deal but if it comes up turn two turn three and like your deck has cards it needs to be playing that's super inconvenient and that's if one of the other ones isn't like we're saying one of the ones that like like you're saying, Rickety Bridge, if there's more than two characters there, characters die. There's one that's like the first character you play there dies. There's one on turn three, everything there dies. There's one that things swap side at the end of turn three. So you're not going to play their trough after turn three. There's one that characters die, but then you get two energy. The first thing you play there dies. There's like, there's literally, all these are legit locations in the game. Like, it's to the point where you almost have to run Scarlet Witch because thematically Scarlet Witch, you know, changes the location to something else. And anytime. Yeah, Anytime there's a card that has to go in every deck, you've got a problem. So that's what you're you're running into. People are either playing Scarlet Witch, Storm, or uh, Armor, because Armor can stop things from being destroyed at a location. But really, if you just can if you can do without a card at that cost in the slot of the deck, it's going to something like one of those characters. Which is terrible, but like you kind of have to in a way to be able to play the game. So like that's the major gripe I had is like, I, cause I can, it's frustrating that people have cards you don't have sometimes or whatever, but like I can get past that. That's just like structure of the game kind of thing. I don't know if it's easily fixable. It's just, I'll eventually have those cards. But when you're playing the game, it's like, okay, why are we making new locations that just make it more restricted to play the game? Cause there's so many cool things you could do, right? Like when you play a character here, then it swaps sides or it swaps with the card in your opponent's deck or blah, blah, like, crazy things you could do with it right that would be way more interesting other than like just make me not want to play a thing there even if it's like you play one and it swaps with another character of yours in another location or something or whatever all kinds of weird stuff you could do but like it just feels like lazy design to just say like okay well this is going to restrict you from playing here you should encourage people to play more just play more strategically because of all these different effects that could happen but yeah Again, like I said, I, I wanted, that's why I wanted to preface that in the beginning, because I think overall the game is still very good. And I'm still going to play it. It's still a good time waster. I don't know if I will ever be a person who wants to ladder really hard on it because of the disparity in card quality sometimes. I don't think I want to put myself through that mental stress to like fight through that. But I, but I do like just the time-killing nature of it, and it's fun, it's, it's quick, it's snappy. Overall, like it's a quality mobile game, and you can still play for free totally in that game. But I don't know if your experience has been the same because that's that's what I was running into when I when I decided to test some stuff. Yeah, those things are all very annoying. Like, yeah, it's not just us. I think Kotaku had a piece uh, last week about Rickety Bridge and how it was making the game unfun. So yeah, it's 
course, I, okay. it's going to take a lot for me to stop playing a Marvel game. But yeah, one of my main decks right now is the Avengers. So I've already had Scarlet Witch in the, the deck that I have every game. Well, fair. It was already on theme for you. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, but if you yeah, haven't played... But yeah, these locations are absolutely a problem. I think that probably is... That's the thing that I've seen people talking about in on gaming sites and, and forums and things. Okay, so now I... Because I thought maybe I'm just being too sensitive a little bit, right? Like maybe I'm just... Maybe this is fine and people like it, but... I think every card game is going to go through its growing pains. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's fixable. That was the other thing for me. Like that's... You can just pull some of those and don't have them appear as often or maybe put in like coding. So like more than one negative location doesn't appear at a time in the three or something like that. I think that would also be helpful. And then just keep making new locations that are fun and interesting. But for those of you that haven't played it, I would say totally go check it out, download it. If you're any fan of marble Marvel at all, I think you'll appreciate the game and it's very easy to pick up and understand. That's the other thing. It doesn't, it's not overly strategic. You only get 12 cards in your deck. You're sometimes only going to play like five or six of them anyway during the course of the game. So you don't need to be a super strategist to enjoy it. And I think that's one of the big draws of the game as well for a lot of people. But Oh, and you, you yeah. reminded me because apparently we were looking for the DC game that was teased back in, I want to say, 2021 now. Yeah. And there's finally been at least a little bit of an update. They have at least updated the website to say coming sometime in 2023 now. I think he was dead. I, I still feel still feels close to dead with the amount of communication we're getting or the lack of communication we're getting. But hopefully... The problem at this point, though, is now they're going to get compared to Snap with everything they do. True. So, like, now you have to at least be that good or people are just going to nitpick you the whole time. So the good news is it's like Pepsi and Coke. There are some people that everything DC does is right, everything Marvel does is wrong, and vice versa. So. That's also true. Let's talk about some Phyrexian stuff. Well, other than Phyrexians just being awful beings. I was going to say people, but they're like machines. But so far, I will say, Phyrexia all will be one looks really good. I mean, I think that's one of the things that is super positive. Lots of interesting cards. Lots of stuff for a lot of different decks. And to the point that we're starting to see those conversations of like, is this the best set since X, right? Whatever people put the baseline at. But that's a really good sign. Because I can't remember. It's been at least, I mean, since Kamigawa at a minimum, that people were saying that about a set. Which is a full year ago, you know? So this is kind of cool. And... Credit to to Wizards if if this becomes a trend because, you know, we we came back to Kamigawa and they they upped it a lot. You know, it was way better than the last time. Sort of feel like we're we're touching on that again. You know, where Dominaria got a little bit of a facelift, got some cool cards, I felt like, compared to the last time. Not as impactful, I think, as a whole as something like Kamigawa. But, you know, we're going back to Phyrexia. And these got a really big facelift, right? We got a bunch of, you know, people are saying power creep. I'm not totally sure it's power creep on a lot of things because a lot of stuff is functionally different, but a lot of really strong stuff for sure. And I think it's going to affect the for, a lot of formats, stuff for every single format, which is great. And 
I think it's going to be a big boost to standard, which is good because we have standard uh, regional qualifiers starting up soon. So there's going to be a lot of fresh stuff to talk about. And probably good for us to make standard content, honestly. But there is a real problem that this set, I believe, launches on February 10th. I need to check a calendar because I believe I said that with a question mark. Uh, yeah, I think February 10th is the official launch date for it. And pre-releases, I believe, are next weekend. And nobody knows among content creators what we're doing for early access stuff yet. This is every time they do this. And, and then we end up talking about this every time. So I, I know they know. <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I, I don't. Is that, have they just not adequately staffed that part? I don't know. Like, well, I still, we'll say this. The guy who was in charge of that, my understanding is he is no longer there as of, I want to say November. Like late October, early November. Because Mishi Fishy was there before. So that's like they've lost two people at this point in what, maybe a year's time? No, it was longer than that. Probably because she left year, late year one, early year two in the pandemic. Because she's already been at her other job for a long while. So so two people in a three, because we've been doing this for about three years. So they've lost two people in charge of the program in a three-year span, let's say. Well, I will say this. I think, more accurately, Mishy was, like, the community manager, and this person was actually, like, in charge of a whole separate thing. Now, what happened, I think he just moved to another job, was my understanding. I don't 100% know who the person is that's in charge now. <laughs> like, it, before I at least knew, when I knew who to send an email to, I don't know who that person is anymore. That's- that's a problem in and of itself is you so, don't know who to contact to find these things out. Yeah. But my thing is, like, me and you and other people that do a lot of stuff from home or whatever, like, we have at least somewhat more flexible schedules. And even still, I've never been able to do one because they can't figure yeah. this out. <laughs> but for the people who are doing part-time content creation, or maybe they just have two jobs or a side hustle or whatever, like, they need to be able to take time off. Like, if you work a, a regular nine to five, like, if you're going to take time, you got to tell your boss. Some some of them say at least two weeks in advance. If you're married, you got to be able to, you know, <laughs> talk with your spouse like, hey, can I have five or six hours tomorrow to play magic? Yeah, like, I'm not going to be able to take little little Timmy or little Mary to the, to the ball game on Tuesday, you know, because I got to do this thing, right? Oh, by the way, this is the thing you're not going to get paid for. So your spouse has every right to say, heck no. <laughs> well, yeah, also the true, right? Like, so, so it's a tough thing, you know, it, other than maybe you get to use like a sick day, but you don't want to waste a sick day. To yeah, we, in, we, we, we got a new weird disease coming out every six weeks. You don't want to waste any of your sick. Yeah, for real, for real. So, so it's a tough thing, right? And right now, my predictions are if we do it like last time, it will be the Friday before the pre-release, which I think it works out best anyway, because I think it gives the devs a full week basically because because it doesn't go live until the following thursday i think so like gives them a full week if we find any bugs or anything in the early access stuff it's it's a live testing bed right and you get a full week to fix everything which is great and it kind of lines up well right you you get to do all your stuff on that friday players are already going to their pre-releases that night and the next day they get their full of paper cards now they kind of want to build decks and maybe play those on arena and then you have Monday to Thursday 
of all those content videos that all the creators are putting out from all the games they played and what they learned and their favorite cards and blah, blah, and all that. Right. So it's a good hype window, but we only did it once. So I don't know if that's going to be the pattern or not. And the other option is it could just be Monday or Tuesday, you know, and then the site goes live on Thursday. Cause that's how it was before. If you played on Tuesday, they had a down day to work on stuff and then went live on Thursday. I, we have no indicator of which way it's going to be right now. This is not in any way, shape, or form. I mean, just, and again, I'm somebody, you know, that does theater and stand-up. I've worked with some of the biggest companies and some of the smallest, but even even people where there's one person booking a show communicate to me better. I need to know what the show is. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, even for being as flexible as I am, I still need to know because, like, okay, maybe I don't schedule doing a consultation with somebody. Yeah. Maybe I don't set up a meeting with the sponsor or whatever on the day that it would conflict with me doing other stuff. So it's like problem being those are things you get paid to do. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I can't I would have to take time out of doing the early access stuff because, like, I'm not going to turn these other things down. Yeah, because there's something that would be foolish. Just can't afford to do it this way. Yeah, so it's a little tough. That that if and I've told people before of all things on set releases, that was the thing, at least from a content side, that I would like to see get more attention and more worked out, or at least even if they know, to let us just let us know in advance. Because even for fans, right? If you want to sit around and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to watch some content or see the new cards or whatever," you might want to take some time and be like, "Hey, I'm going to have some downtime on Friday or Monday or whatever. Let me make some time to watch some of my favorite people." As opposed to waking up and then just going like, oh, so-and-so's on early. <laughs> right? like, and then you, you catch them playing something on, on Twitch or whatever. Oh, They're not the only game in town. They're not even the only card game in town. <laughs> they got to do better than this. Speaking of, side note, we might have some positive things to talk about on Twitch next week. Because they put out an announcement earlier today that they're actually trying to do some stuff that could, I'm going to say could, because I need to read into it more possibly help discoverability so we'll have that on next week's show to talk about but let's talk about an actual pretty serious subject that's going around online right now the topic cheating again more character stuff right because that's what we're doing this week but i I guess the question brian because really it's kind of coming up in a lot of circles so i'll ask you is how rampant do you think cheating is just in gaming in general? I mean, I think for situations where no, where so much of so much of the gaming now still is is online, so it just makes it even easier for people to you know when you, when you can, it's one thing to lie, cheat, or steal to somebody's face if they don't see you. It's like. Oh, I'm lagging. Sorry. You know, my controller died or something along those lines. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because I feel like, I mean, obviously in paper, there's going to be people that try to get a peek at a card. Somebody's going to try to conveniently skip a trigger if it benefits them or something. And Magic just has, you know, a near infinite amount of opportunities, you know, to, like you said, to look at a card you weren't supposed to to pocket a card, to forget a trigger. The more complicated the deck, the more easy it is. Not even taking into account skill gaps between opponents. Let's say you're, you know, you're a, a, a master level magic player and you're across the table from a 
six or seven year old kid, which is a thing that happens. You oh, could, dude. you could get away with anything. I will tell you, one of the games that's probably the easiest to cheat in is Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, because oh, that game, so many things. You have to touch your cards and your deck and your side deck and whatever like so many times in a turn. Sometimes, and like somebody can literally have zero to one card in hand and end up with like six, seven permanents in play, a couple of face down cards, and three cards in hand over the course of like a three or four minute turn. And sometimes and will, it's going to say turns are so long sometimes where you're just sitting there. I just want it to end. I don't well, yeah. care who wins. But it's like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice point. this. Yep. These two are going to combine. I'm going to make this. So now you've gone to your side deck a couple of times looking at stuff. I'm going to draw some cards. I'm going to shuffle this back in. I'm going to pick this up. This is going to trigger. So this is going to turn into this other thing. Now I got to go back to the side deck and grab a thing. Right. So in all of that action, all of those are opportunities for somebody to manipulate their cards, their deck, whatever. And that happens. I mean, it definitely happens when you're across from an inexperienced person. But I've even thought about when you're playing online. Now, admittedly, the safest possible environment is playing in person on like a LAN network for something. Right? Because now everything's present. It's being run by the machine and everybody can see each other. Right? So it's probably as clean as it gets. But I think if you're just in paper or just in digital, there's always going to be room for manipulation. Hell, I've seen games, somebody was just telling me the other day, like, you can't use, what I can't remember what it was, one of the games you can't use a certain controller, because they found out the controller could be manipulated, or programmed, or something, right? So that's a thing. So if it recognizes the, the code or something from that controller, it'll just bounce you from the game. And you gotta but, keep in mind, especially since we've been playing primarily online for so long, all these triggers and counters and things were kept track of for us. So yeah. to go from arena track and everything to back, oh, wait, now I got to keep track of all these counters, triggers, and weird mechanics and game states myself. It's going to take a minute probably for you to get back used to doing all those things. And then also you got to make sure your opponent's not doing something weird over there or just even, even if they miss something by accident that could still turn the game around. And, and here's my thing, right? Like, if I'm playing at home, let's say even though I'm playing a, a high-profile Magic event, right? There's no guarantee that I'm not getting help from somebody. Because there's so many, like, it'd be very easy to do. Like, I could literally just screen share what I'm doing to another monitor or a laptop or whatever it is and just have the other person sitting off camera. And then either they're just lightly speaking to me so it doesn't pick up on my mic or... I just have another screen set up where they're just texting me stuff and I just keep it in the same view of the camera. So I'm always looking ahead anyway. Like there would be virtually no way to catch somebody. Even in person in chess, allegedly you could put something up your butt and have people tell you when you're making the the wrong move. So, so it's pretty crazy. Like I, I, and I tell people not to scare people and say, don't be in a competitive environment, whatever. Right. I don't think it's rampant. But I do think there are going to be bad actors. I it's do think that's avoidable. Where, you know, if it happens to you, it's rampant and, and it must be addressed. If it's never happened to you, you what are you talking about? There's no cheating. It's kind of just people oh, yeah. perspective on that. But I, but I think it's one of those things that just it's going to be there. It's and honestly, I don't think a lot of it is even premeditated. I think a lot of it is people just end up in these situations. And then it's a judgment call, and sometimes people just make the bad character call. And it just is what it is, right? It's it's that whole thing of, you know, how they used to, down south they have a saying of, locks keep honest people honest, right? 
you lock the door because like the real criminals are going to try to fight and come away inside your window or whatever, kick something in, whatever. But you know what? You just don't leave your door open. So somebody who is an honest bird doesn't even think about it. And that's kind of the same thing. I think a lot of times in those situations where it's like, you know, if, if they just don't know to remove a counter, then I just win next turn. Uh, uh, I guess I'm not going to say anything because they didn't notice, you know, that sort of thing. And, and yeah, it's one thing, you know, let's say it's a game where, you know, you, it's just, you know, fun game around the kitchen table. Now there's $25,000 on the line. Oh, yeah. At that point, I don't even know that it's your responsibility to tell that they're not playing their deck properly. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. It, it's a tough thing because even a lot of the times the cheats happen, it's not even for big prizes. You know, like local FMs, you're a lot of times you're playing for five packs or something, right? It's it's not even anything crazy. So it's kind of silly that you would even risk that anyway, of being ostracized from your community and all that stuff, but it but it happens. And we know it happens, right? You just hope that people catch it, people are contrite about it, they learn from it, whatever. But yeah, it's hard to say when people say, Do I think it's rampant? I don't think it's rampant, but I do think it is something that happens. Yeah, there was uh, the uh, Madden Championship Series that happened this week. I've been watching that, and there's there's just well, there there are many glitches in Madden 23, but one of the big ones is there just comes a point sometimes during a game where you can't push a button, you can't give any kind of input. So what people just start doing is like if they if they see that happen, like okay, yeah, just delay a game penalty. I won't accept the penalty. <laughs> Let's keep playing because everybody knows that's a thing that happens in Madden this year. And at this point, it's January. It's not getting patched. So that's obviously like, hey, you realize the game's not working properly. That's not how you want to win. Now, another thing I've seen happen is because, you know, a lot of the top-level players make nine or ten adjustments on every play, you know, because they see something that – see opportunity or they see like, hey, you keep running the same play over and over. I can hit these five buttons and maybe fix that. But thing is, you only have – it's like actual – it tries to replicate actual football. You've only got a few seconds to input all these changes. So that's another thing they do is like if you get a delay a game penalty for you know making too pushing too many buttons, they aren't accepting that either because they know they're gonna want to make five different adjustments the next time they have the ball. And that to me is, you know, I wouldn't feel like that was cheating if you didn't let somebody do that. I would feel like that's well, you know, you you are playing in a way where you need to make 15 adjustments before the ball snaps. I mean, that's just the price you pay for playing that way. You could have run a less complex offense, maybe, or defense. Yeah. That'd be the I same mean, you could also use it as a way to test what your opponent knows or doesn't know about the game. Exactly. Right? right? Like, that's some stuff. So, I think there's always going to be something. Uh, but I think the majority of people are going to be trying to play by the rules. I think the majority of people want to win fairly. A lot of games do have judges and stuff walking around or referees for their games. So, I... I'm not saying it's happening a lot. I don't even, I wouldn't even say it happens every event, but there will be a number of times it's going to happen. And I think the thing to remember is that if for some reason you get caught doing that, you're, you're, you are essentially are branded a cheater for the rest of your career in whatever game you're playing. Or basically, even if you, that's happened with, you know, magic players that have got caught cheating, they've moved on to other games and still first thing you hear is like, Oh, Hey, notorious cheater started playing Hearthstone. You never, yeah, and I saw, I wish I remember who posted it earlier, but I feel like I saw one of the players say it's, they do want an opportunity for cheaters to have a redemption arc. 
but maybe you don't ever get to play in the top level most tournaments, right? You serve your time, whatever your suspension is, a couple of years, whatever. But you you can still come back and play like pre-releases. You could play little, you know, $100 cash prize tournaments or whatever. Because I do agree that on some level, people will make bad judgments. One, because you're young and stupid, you know. And other times, because you're just in a bad situation or in a bad state of mind or whatever, right? You you Even though it's a small prize, you might be like, ah, man, I could really use that 50 bucks, you know. I would say I, I'm fine with people coming back in because, you know, if we're trying to emulate esports to some extent, every, if you get caught taking steroids, baseball will let you play again after you get suspended. They're just going to probably make you, you. The random drug testing is probably no longer random in your case. Yeah. You, if you, you get one every six months now. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so I think yeah. the same thing should happen to Magic World. Like, hey, it, well, it's going to happen anyway. It, once somebody that's got caught cheating comes back, Everybody is gonna watch them like a hawk. Oh yeah, the you're gonna get gonna come around them a little bit more often. Other players will pull you to the side, and be like, "Hey, yeah, that person cheats. Watch yourself." And they may stand around. And yeah, I, I, we had a situation like that in Raw Deal, and I mean, I played that person. I'm talking about three or four of the people that yep. I play with stood on either side to make sure nothing weird was happening. Yeah, that happens. It made me more nervous than it made the person that, you know, is believed to be the cheater because they probably have gotten used to having people, you know, stand over their shoulder at that point. Yeah. And it's always tough, right? Because I don't think, like I said, it's not right, obviously. But like I said, you, you people just make dumb decisions sometimes. And I don't think that should be something we're trying to say, well, nope, you're ostracized from the community forever because you made this dumb mistake at, at 19 or something. And, you know, the game's still around eight, ten years later, and you just can't hang out with anybody and you can't use your cards. Like, I get it. There's a punishment and whatever, but, like, there's got to be an opportunity. Yeah, again, every if, if they let people, you know, cheat and come back at their 50 games for stuff where, you know, the reward is $100 million if you play well, we can let people come back for, you know, five packs or perhaps 25000 yeah. in some cases. For sure, for sure. But... Yeah, it is a thing that's out there. It will happen. It probably happens in every... I actually know probably it does happen in every form of gaming. You know, I'm I'm pretty certain to say that considering what the the body of work we have seen at this point, our sample size is quite large. But I don't think it's anything to be panicked about the way some people have been trying to blow it up, truthfully. But that does bring us to our dinner table as we wrap up this week. And this is kind of related in some ways. But I guess what I want to ask, Brian, is have you ever had a scary or even just highly stressful moment in gaming? And how did you deal with it? I, mean, I was streaming one night and somebody, you know, I mean, I do stand up. I'm used to people heckling me or trolling me. Somebody, you know, made kind of a vulgar comment about one of my kids. And yeah, that. It was really hard to just not not feed that troll. I didn't, but I mean, I was even after that. As soon as I saw this topic, it took me back to that moment, and I remembered how angry I was. It just, yeah, that's tough, especially when you're live. Yeah, because you know, especially when we talk about it, as a black man, you know, if you, if you don't mind your reaction, you're the one that gets all the hate. You're the angry mm-hmm. black guy. Why didn't you? Why? Why'd you behave that way? You know. 
I, I just too urban. I'm not going to watch you anymore. I just hate that anyway, though. That whenever, like, if I, hell, some of these ridiculous pundits on Fox or whatever, like, I don't like them, but I'm not going to go and just start attacking their family or their kids no. or whatever because they've said Those something stupid. Whatever you feel about me, my kids are innocent. They've done nothing to you. Everybody's kids have done nothing to you. I would say just even from a content world, like literally nobody in my house even comes into this room, right? Unless they're delivering something to me that came in at the door or something, right? Like, honestly, it's just me. So, like, if you didn't like something I said or did on this show or whatever, it wouldn't even make sense for my woman to be accosted while she's out shopping. She half the time doesn't even know what I'm saying or doing in here, honestly. It's like... It's it, that yeah. That's such a bad move. Truthfully, like it's terrible. You even had to deal with that. That's stupid. Well, I guess what? How did you resolve it? I I didn't feed the troll, and eventually, you know, as as a typical troll, they didn't get the response they wanted. So, you know, they left. Well, that's good at least. Yeah, and now I said I was just upset for a long time, and then when you you know when you asked me that question, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. So like, yeah, that's that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, I've talked about it before. I've had people pop into my stream and just drop in bombs in the chat for no reason, yeah, and that I we sadly yeah. have had to get used to. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. Fortunate it hadn't happened too much lately. It's definitely a lot lesser than it had been in the yeah, past, so that's good. Some important steps. Yeah, so that that's definitely helped out a lot. Uh, I think for me, and I'm, I, it's weird because I don't really experience, I'm, I'm a broken person. I don't experience stress really all that much. <laughs> like I tell people, I'm not born with an embarrassment gene. Like I'm just, I have, I'm a weird person, but I will say thinking about it, there was a time, man, I think it was the last year they did, they did uh, regionals and I actually put a lot of time into preparing because I'd come short a couple of times in some weird circumstances. One where effectively a guy cheated against me, you know, and I lost that one and the guy was a known cheater and that was a thing. But so like, I kind of felt like I should have made top eight at one of these regionals and qualified for nationals on at least two different occasions, maybe even a third technically, but I don't think I played as well in that, that third incident or third tournament i should say but in this particular one i was like you know what i'm gonna prep i'm i'm really excited about the deck i'm playing i put in a lot of time it's it's an off meta deck people aren't gonna be ready for but all that stuff and as it got closer to happening i had to really concentrate it's like man is this finally going to be the time because i'm one of those people i'm very much i would rather have the trophy than the money Right. I'd rather just have the personal achievement than anything. Like, don't be wrong. If I was able to win a pile of money, it'd be great. But a lot of times if I'm doing something, it's just for the personal achievement. I don't really care like what other people think about what I did or not or whatever. So I don't really focus on that. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want to win. So I get all this popularity and I can turn it into this and all that. I'm like, eh, if I'm not interested in just doing it for me, I'm probably not even going to bother doing it. But in this case, I was like, I really wanted this thing to happen. And we got closer and closer. And then we're around away. And I'm like, okay, if I win one more, this is this is going to be it. And I think that was the time I actually like went out, just kind of walked it off a little bit. 
and then just made sure of, okay, let me just focus, you know, slow down, make sure I'm breathing. Don't overthink things, right? I already know how to sideboard. I already know what this matchup is. I saw this person playing their deck earlier. Don't have anything to be worried about, right? But just don't let myself screw it up. Because that was it. I really, in my head, was like, if I lose this, it's going to be because I screwed it up. (laughs) So just let's make sure this doesn't happen here. And yeah, and that that was the biggest thing for me. Because that was one of those times where like, it was also going to be the last opportunity to make the, like to have that redemption. You know what I mean? Like we knew this was last year they were going to do regionals. So like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to be able to make good for those three opportunities over the last hell at that point. I think it was like 15 years or whatever it was, right? Maybe 12 years. And it, it was nice though. I got the win. It was good. I got to play at nationals. I played terribly at nationals, but you know, whatever. I, and, but I think also that was on me. You know, when people ask, like, why it was a thing, I think it was the same thing. I think because I cared more about making sure I got there, but I wasn't really in the same headspace of, like, I really want this at Nationals, right? It was more like just getting there was the thing, and then anything else was gravy, and I didn't put the same time and effort into it. So I deserve to lose is what I'm saying. But, yeah, that that was really my thing. I think for me, it's just if you hit those moments and you can see them coming, Do exactly that. Walk it off, grab a snack, make sure you have some water, you know, make sure you're breathing. Because I have watching people damn near hyperventilate (laughs) under under high stress situations. And really just you, it's weird to say, but I think it's one of those things where it's almost a meditative thing where everything needs to kind of become inward for a second, shut out everything else and just say, okay, let me just focus on the task at hand. One thing. I'm not going to worry about what other people are thinking. I'm not worried about other noise. I'm not worried about my friends talking. I have one thing to do. Let's do this one thing right now. And then we'll address everything else when this is over and I can take a breath. Yeah. And that's what's worked for me. But all right, Brian, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Why don't you everybody where they can find you on the social media machines? All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alice Ever After. Oh, and you can read my writings over at tiltmagazine.com. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I'll have some a lot of stuff coming up on Frexia. All will be one with showing the jankiest cards, my favorites, overrated, underrated, all that stuff will be showing up on the YouTube channel in the next couple of days. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself and your family, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 